Hello again, my friends, and welcome to the 149th episode of our second season here at the Run of the Mills podcast in our Keeping Up with the King series as we go through the book of Matthew. And we are in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to try to try, I'm going to try my very best, try my very best to finish today with the book of, well, not the book of, but the chapter of Matthew 13. So previously on our previous episodes, if you haven't listened to them, well, uh, you didn't miss anything. No, you missed a whole lot. Um, chapter uh, 13, Jesus was uh, sharing the parables of the kingdom. And so verse 53 says, now it came to pass. So after all that, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. So Jesus left and now he's heading. It says in verse 54 of chapter 13, when he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So Jesus returns back to Nazareth, back to the hometown, and he begins to teach in the synagogue. So um, following the um, the Hebrew occupation, uh, well, and well, the Jews being captive in Babylon, um, they began to meet at these synagogues uh, previously you'd see in Israel, they would meet at the uh, temple, but when they were in exile, uh, they did not have access to the temple since it was uh, well destroyed. So they would meet at the synagogue. And so apparently, you know, this practice carried on and Jesus is teaching in their synagogue and this is his hometown. And so when he speaks, they are amazed. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? And then verse 55 says something I think is fantastic. It says this, is this not the carpenter's son? So again, they're seeing him as this young man who was raised in their town, who I'm sure they recognized him. Maybe they knew him personally. And they're like, wait a minute, where'd this guy get this stuff? And we see the beginnings of disbelief there, right? isn't he the carpenter's son, right? Because why would a, how would a carpenter, carpenter's son have such wisdom and have such power? It doesn't make any sense. And again, we see this uh, throughout this whole book. We see Matthew presenting Jesus as this unexpected king. This was not what they expected when it comes to the Messiah. They weren't expecting a carpenter's son. No, I mean, I mean, if you had to pick, I'm sure they would pick some other highly respected person or business background or who knows. Um, but then it says this, is not his mother called Mary? So they know his dad and they know his mom. It says, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get these things? So this is... Um, the locals, the people he grew up around, not being receptive to his message. And this is something I think most of us, I think, that are believers relate to, to a degree. When we try to share with those people that are uh, that have known us our whole life, they knew us as kids, they knew us in high school when we were mess-ups, they're like, what? I know you. I know who you are. And there's a skepticism you know, they, they they have a view of you that's colored by family, 
that's colored by your past behaviors. They're co colored by their uh, their own experience with you. And so uh, there's something to understand that this is one of those things that to me is challenging and it takes time, but it, it is possible. People will in time see that you're different. You know, at first they're going to be like, oh, they're trying to, you know, they're, oh, they found religion. But in time, they'll be like, wait, that they're different. They're not the same person they once were. In fact, here we're reading about Jesus says that they were offended at him. I mean, that's pretty amazing. They were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. So Jesus points out, like, look, this is, I'm not surprised by this. This is what the, this is what the Bible says. A prophet's, you know, prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and his own house. Your prophets are honored, but those people that uh, saw them in diapers have a hard time with that stuff. But one thing I also wanted to point out was this. Did you notice that Jesus has brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And it would seem that they didn't believe in him until after his resurrection. But how many siblings did Jesus have? Well, the truth of the matter is, we don't know. But we know this. At least six, right? Because James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, plural, are they not all with us? And so we've got his four brothers and his sisters, unnamed sisters of, you know, how, who, how, who knows how many. So why is that important? Well, I think one thing is important is because there is this strange thing that some have done with Mary, where we might even call it the deification of Mary, where they have made her um, a god or a goddess where some people even go so far as to say she's the co-redemptress, you know, that Jesus redeemed us, but she's the co-redemptress. And they start adding all this power and giving glory that only belongs to God to her. And in fact, there's even these strange um, teachings of uh, what they would call the perpetual virginity of Mary, you know, where they, she's referred to as the Virgin Mary, the Virgin Mary. Well, um, She's referred to as the Virgin Mary when she's a virgin, but then later when she has kids, she's just referred to, oh, as is not her mother called Mary? I mean, they don't call her the Virgin Mary that has six kids, you know, um, seven kids, with including Jesus. Um, and so there are those that will say like, oh, well, because they have this theology, they have to defend, right? Where, well, if Jesus, if she's a perpetual virgin, then uh, uh, who are these kids oh they're joseph's kids from his previous marriage yeah joseph must have been a widow and he had kids from his previous marriage his wife died so he married this young girl but he's got all jesus older brothers and sisters there he's the baby um rather than him being the older brother and sister you know but if you pay attention to the bible which I would encourage you to do. When you read about Joseph and his relationship with his wife, you'll see that it talks about that, you know, he, that, well, when it's talking about, well, that she's uh, a virgin, um, you'll see way back in Matthew chapter one, at the end of chapter one, it says this, uh, that uh, Joseph had a dream, right? And, 
an angel commanded him to take Mary as his wife because he knew she was pregnant, right? He found out that he's going to put her away quietly. Um, but an angel commanded that he take her as his wife. So he does. And then the last line of Matthew chapter one, verse 25 says, says this and talking about Joseph and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Okay. So, when he says know her, know her again. This is a, a euphemism for um, sexually knowing her. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Now, he doesn't say he never knew her. It said he didn't know her until, right? So if if you say, Mike, um, have you ever eaten an ice cream? And I said. No, I've never eaten ice cream. I didn't eat ice cream until last night. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Because if I said I never eaten ice cream, I didn't eat ice cream until last night. The until shows a change, right? There's a change in status. Before that point, before until last until last night, I had not. But what I'm saying when I say until is it means something changed. After a certain event, then the, then the status changed. I had never eaten ice cream until last night. Now, you would not say, Mike perpetually never ate ice cream. No, you would say he, ate, he never ate ice cream until last night. Or if I said, I never ate ice cream until I had my third child. Well, you would say, oh, well, when Mike's third child was born, he had his first bowl of ice cream. That's so great. A great way to celebrate. You would never say, Mike has never had ice cream, because the very language sh shows you that there was a change. That's what the till means. He did not know her, it says, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. It doesn't make any sense in the language to say she is perpetual virgin and her husband didn't know her until after her son and that she's still a virgin. It makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? Well, because it's false. People that say she's a perpetual virgin have got it wrong. They've embraced a false teaching by a church that is teaching something that is inconsistent with Scripture. And anytime your church is teaching something inconsistent with Scripture, your church is wrong. Even if your church says that we take the church traditions as ordained by God, well, if you have to decide what's more accurate, God's word or stuff your church is telling you is ordained by God, well, you better stick with God's word. Because really, that's what it comes down to. What this comes down to is either your church is right and the Bible's wrong, or the Bible's right and your church is wrong. That's all. I mean, that's really, that's it. There's no, the Bible's wrong. Oh, your Bible could be wrong and your church is wrong, but that'd just be stupid. No, one or the other, right? Either she was a perpetual version or she's not. The Bible teaches very clearly that she is not. She has children. Her husband didn't know her until a certain point in time. It's the clear teaching of the, the language. The language is clear. So the question is, is your church teaching you stuff and telling you stuff that's untrue and claiming that you should accept it because church tradition is equal with the Bible because of ap apostolic succession or whatever else they're claiming that, again, is not taught in the Bible? Um, 
yeah, if that's the way it's going, I, I have, I just want to encourage you on this. Just because you've been deceived up until this point in time does not mean you need to continue in it. Don't cling to something so tightly because it's what you were raised in. If it's wrong, right? Because remember the parable we read about, about the leaven within the, the leaven, the sin, the corruption within the kingdom, that there are churches that are going to teach things that are false. Don't cling so tightly to your church tradition, your church's teachings, that you end up being deceived and following something and perpetrating something that's not true. Continually, continually study God's word. Continually test the things you've been told by your churches, by your church leaders, by random podcast guys. Be diligent. Test all things. Hold on to what is good. Avoid even the appearance of evil. God bless you. Talk to you next time.